welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and you are at the podcast where we talk all things planning, strategizing, and planner related. I am so excited to welcome Kelsey Wharton this week as our guest on the podcast. You guys know that I don't do guest episodes all that often, so when I do, they are someone who I really feel like has something to add in terms of how they plan or the products they use, and Kelsey is no exception. So stay tuned for the interview, and I hope you enjoy it. I know that I learned a ton. I am so excited to welcome Kelsey Wharton to Best Laid Plans. I have been following Kelsey for years now. Um, Her podcast, which I'll let her talk about, is one of my absolute favorites. And honestly, it was one of the inspirations to get me to start podcasting. So Kelsey, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello. Well, it's great to be here, Sarah. And what a kind compliment. I'm so happy to hear that. So I am Kelsey. I am a writer, a podcaster, mother of three living in Gilbert, Arizona, which is just outside of Phoenix. And I'm very passionate about planning and organization. So it's very fun to finally get to talk to you in person after listening to you on your podcast and reading your blog for so long. So this is lovely. Thank you so much. Kelsey and I, I guess we both have different opposites of the spectrum in our warm climates. Yes. But we definitely have some parallels. Can you tell our listeners how old your kids are right now? Yes. So I think by the time this comes out, it is actually birthday week in our house. So this is really funny. The week that this comes out, I will have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a one-year-old. My two boys are older, and then I just had a daughter at the very beginning of the pandemic, our little pandemic baby. I love it. So clearly, Kelsey has a lot to juggle. She is the main person at home right now dealing with all kids with multiple different schedules. And she co-hosts at least one podcast. And I think you had some other projects going on as well. Right. (laughs) Yes, I always seem to have a lot a lot going on. So yes, I co-host the Girl Next Door podcast. Um, like you mentioned, I try to keep up on my blog, which is risingshining.com. In the past, my husband, Chris, and I have co-hosted a podcast, Matrimony, which was all about personal finances and doing that with your partner. We're no longer producing new episodes, but the archives are still around if anyone would like to go and find those. I have also been working on launching a new project that will be coming out in April by the time this is out. And that is an audio blog version of my blog, Rising Shining. Basically, what I'm doing is for the month of April, all of my blog posts that I publish, I will also read them and turn them into podcast episodes. And are they going to be on a new feed? You can tell people now. It's going to be on a new feed, so you can just search for Rising Shining on any podcast platform, and you should be able to find it. Just kind of a fun, new creative project that I'm just excited to kind of try out. That sounds amazing. Okay, so clearly managing a lot of different things in different spheres. And I know from experience that managing a household, because I don't do it, but I see, like, I do some of it. And Mm -hmm. dealing with the household when you have babies and then multiple different school schedules is a lot. Yes. And you have always been able to really nicely describe some of the processes you use Mm. to keep everything kind of calm and planned and intentional. So I wanted you to share some of your kind of tips and tricks here, as well as the systems that you are passionate about, as you said. Okay. Thank you. I love to talk about this. So this has been kind of interesting. And as I was thinking about this, I have actually transitioned for the time being where I am 
just about all digital. And so that has been pretty interesting. Previously, I was really enjoying using a paper planner, the Get to Workbook that I know you've reviewed and checked out before. And that worked really well for me in managing, like you said, household, but then these creative endeavors as well. I Honestly, it was kind of the pandemic shutting everything down. It, that was just my paper planner was just no longer relevant. And so that was kind of interesting. And so I have my systems now are Google Calendar with support from Google Keep, the list making app. And then I'm just starting to dabble in the app Todoist for tracking to do items. Have you heard of that one or tried it out before? I tried it a long time ago. I didn't like fully dive in. And then I know there are a lot of diehards. So first, I guess, talk about what do you use Google Keep for versus Todoist? And talk about how you manage your lists in Google Keep and what do you tend to list? Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, I think that my brain just works in lists. In Google Keep, I am always, you can either make just kind of a free form note or a checkbox list. And I'm always making the checkbox list. So it's just, I think my brain just works in list form. But so for example, in Google Keep, I have a running list of funny things my kids said. I have a running list for Girl Next Door podcast topic ideas or topic ideas for Instagram lives that we will sometimes do. I have a list of digital organization projects that I would love to do. A list of our most common meal ideas for dinner. Just things like that. Even recently, I opened it up and had a new checklist because I was brainstorming what I should put in the kids' Easter baskets. Things like that. So it's both either collecting ideas for later, or sometimes it's like helping me brainstorm through something. So I use Apple Notes in a very similar way. Do you know if there are features that have you tried both or have you only been or are you an Android person? Oh, I am an Apple person (laughs) through and through. So I was using just the native iPhone notes for a really long time until I started using Google Keep. And then it was that checkbox feature that got me and just the display. I like that you can kind of see them, you can pin things at the top. And I loved being able to very easily switch between desktop and being on my phone. Very interesting. I think those are the strengths of Google Keep that I have found anyway, and for my system. Very, very interesting. I think it sounds like there's a lot of parallels there, but maybe Mm -hmm. the interface is a bit more attractive because there are checkboxes in Apple Mm -hmm. Notes, but I agree with you that the way it's done, it's like, it's not totally satisfying. Yes, yes. And so then for Todoist, which I actually am just checking out this year, inspired by Sarah Powers, who I know is also a friend and a podcast friend of yours. She's also very passionate about planning and organization and we keep we keep up. I am checking that out and I am really liking it. So on Todoist, I am keeping kind of my personal to-dos, you know, just things that I want to get done in the next week or so. I also created a, you can create different projects in there. And that is also where I am trying it out to keep up with my annual goals For the year, you know, there are some things that I want to do monthly, like one-on-one dates with my boys, you know, things like that and creating kind of recurring tasks in that way. So kind of experimenting with that as a just a landing place where I can go open it up, remind myself what I said I wanted to do, but not have to keep it on paper somewhere. Then what I'm also really liking to do is for is that I have, I kind of use it as running lists, shopping lists for different 
stores. I have found I really need to keep separate lists for Target, then for Home Depot slash Lowe's, and then for Craft Store. So I really find that by keeping these shopping lists, I otherwise might put on my to-do list, buy new drawing paper for the kids. But then it would hang out on my to-do list and kind of stress me out. Really, it just needs to be a shopping item at Target because the next time I'm there, I'll pick it up. So I have found that to also be just really helpful to to limit my to-do list to actually things I need to do. And then if I'm, oh, I do need to put in a Target order, a pop by Home Depot, I'll just pull up my shopping list and make sure I don't forget something that we need. Okay, I have a very curious question about everything you just said. We have to take a two-second ad break, and then I'm going to ask it. I'm excited to welcome today's podcast sponsor, Plans and Possibilities. Are you chasing planner peace? Most of us are. So you've got a great planning system, but it just doesn't work for every area of your life. You try and squeeze a few extra lines in a box here and a column there, but you're just making do. These half measures mean you never really make headway in that particular area of your life. Plans and Possibilities has a wide range of printable planner packs that work alongside any planning system. They're digital, so you can print when you need them again and again. The planner collection covers reading, gifting, shopping, pregnancy, baby, beauty, wellness, and more. So if you're ready to say hello to planner peace and dedicate more time and planner space to more areas of your life, go to plansandpossibilities.com shop and use code BEST50 for a 50% discount off the whole collection of printable planners. That's plansandpossibilities.com shop. Use code BEST50 for 50% off. Okay, we're back. I am fascinated by your use of Google Keep and then like a parallel use of Todoist yes. because both of them are you're using for lists. Yes. What do you feel is the benefit of having two systems? Is it a different frame of mind that you take when you enter Todoist? Is there something that Todoist offers that is special from what you have in mm. Google Keep? Okay. I'd love to know. This is a great question. A little bit of it, I think, is still because I'm newer to Todoist. So it's kind of transferring some of those, like I used to have my Target, Home Depot, whatever shopping list over on Google Keep. And then as I was as I was checking out Todoist, I thought, oh, this will be perfect here. One thing that I do love about Todoist, it is very easy to quickly add something. You know, I am home with the baby or just my days are very full. I do not have any consistent work time during my weeks. I am taking it when I can get it. So, But I do have my phone. So if I going throughout my day and I think of a to-do item or, oh, I need to add that to our target list right from the app. You can just hold it down and add a task. And I don't know, I guess I haven't tried out. Maybe that's the same on Google Keep, but it is just so easy to so quickly add things. So I would say that seems like the strength of keeping some of those lists over there. I wonder if you're eventually going to migrate everything. I know it's interesting, but then at the same time, Todoist seems to be very much just checking things off. Whereas in Google Keep, there are some running lists that I don't necessarily want to check off, you know? And so I think maybe I'm kind of finding those differences, but I'm still kind of sorting through it. Maybe Google Keep is more of your reference, which makes Mm. sense. The name is Keep. You're just sort of keep all these collections that you're keeping. That's so true. And Todoist is more of a checkoff to-do app where you're actually managing. This is what I want to get done. Tell me about the recurring frameworks again. So you can set off like, I want to make sure I do a date like, so it would like reset every month. 
Yes. And it didn't take too much to kind of figure it out, but I think there is something, and like I said, I'm still kind of a newbie user and I know there are some just real super users out there. Yes. But you're able to create subtasks below tasks. So I could even say something like an annual goal on a monthly basis is one-on-one dates with the boys. Then I create a subtask below there, a checkbox for each of their names and say, recreate this at the beginning of every month. So that was very pleasing to my organizing self. (laughs) I can absolutely see why. Oh, that's fascinating. It sounds like in a way it's like the non... I'm so excited for Crunch Labs to be sponsoring a part of this podcast. Crunch Labs are STEM subscription build-it-yourself boxes for kids. And my 10-year-old has been into Crunch Labs for months. He started watching these awesome engineering videos with Mark Rober and was hooked at the very first box. The kids have accompanying videos and step-by-step instructions, so he's able to build them entirely on his own, and the stuff he makes with these kids is really cool. This summer, they are hosting something awesome called Camp Crunch Labs, where kids get 12 build-it-yourself toys with one shipped every week, plus access to exclusive Mark Rober videos and weekly challenges that are so much fun to do and also filled with engineering nuggets, so they're definitely learning as they go, even if they don't always realize that. Camp Crunch Labs starts in June, so it's a great time to check this out and get in on the action. Go to crunchlabs.com plans to sign your kids up for Camp Crunch Labs today. If you visit by using that URL, crunchlabs.com plans, you will get two boxes free. That's a $60 value. Again, that's crunchlabs.com plans to sign up for Camp Crunch Labs and receive two boxes free. I am thrilled to welcome sponsor Jenny Kane back to the show. You can shop with code PLANS for 15% off. And let me tell you, there are some absolutely amazing summer pieces to choose from. Jenny Kane has a minimalist yet luxurious vibe, and the fabrics in their clothing are just perfection. For summer, think light cotton and linen, breezy silhouettes, and simple elegance. They have dresses that can be styled in so many ways to make them perfect for any occasion, and their cotton knits are perfect vacation staples. You will layer them over everything, and they can elevate every look. Jenny Kane also has amazing accessories from the perfect classic belt to gorgeous summer sandals. Enjoy a summer wardrobe refresh with Jenny Kane for pieces that will truly last for seasons to come. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Embrace your summer aesthetic with Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Earth Breeze Eco Sheets, dermatologist tested hypoallergenic liquidless laundry detergent. I love Earth Breeze because it's more convenient than jugs of liquid laundry detergent. It's more environmentally friendly and it works. Earth Breeze got rid of unnecessary chemicals for a formula that's kind to sensitive skin of all ages, including babies. And their lightweight cardboard packaging takes up just a fraction of the space in your laundry room versus traditional detergent. Just think, these tiny sheets can stop millions of detergent jugs from entering our ecosystems. In fact, 500 million detergent jugs end up in landfills and oceans every single year. That is a lot of plastic. To make things as easy as possible, EarthBreeze offers a flexible subscription so you never have to run out. I love the reduction in plastic and how well EarthBreeze works with sensitive skin. I definitely recommend giving it a try. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash plans. That's earthbreeze.com slash plans to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. 
That's earthbreeze.com slash plans. Well, I don't know. That the subtest part reminded me of Trello, like how you can have like a card mm. and then you have like all this information on that card. Yes. But yes. maybe a little simpler than Trello, think, which might I be a good may, thing. I think maybe so. I have used Trello before in previously when I was working full time as a science writer for a university. And I was really getting into that in terms of managing many projects with many different tasks at different stages. And I've kind of thought before about maybe using that for managing the Girl Next Door podcast, but just kind of seemed like it might be a little bit too much for what we need for the podcast. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Well, since we talked about Google Keep, I feel like this would be a natural segue for you to talk about your Gmail management. Oh, I would love to. Because it is something you are passionate about. And I'm interested because I have like the most rudimentary Gmail management, which is basically like get to inbox zero and rely on search for everything. Okay. So I'm interested in your into the weeds techniques. Okay. Let me tell you about this. I think you will like it. So I did not come up with this system. I read about it on somebody else's blog post. I cannot remember how I got pointed that way. I have a blog post all about how I set this up and reference the original blog post. So I'll share that with you so you can put it in the show notes. Yes, we will link it. Basically, this system is a multiple inbox system. That's what it's called in Gmail. And it creates two columns of inboxes, essentially, in your Gmail home screen. You have your main inbox, but then off to the side, you can create these separate kind of inboxes or categories. So what this means is you can get to inbox zero while also looking at important emails at a glance. It really, for me, it's the best of, it's the best of both worlds <laughs> to reference your other podcast. You can create whatever those other different inboxes are, but what has worked very well for me are action items Like sometimes there just is an email that represents an action item that you need to do something with. Well, instead of leaving it in your inbox, I can put a yellow star on it and move it over to there. I also love the awaiting reply inbox. That way, if I'm waiting for someone to respond to me, I don't want to delete that email, but it's not my task. I don't want it sitting in my inbox so I can move that over. I've also got sections for kids school stuff, just, you know, information about upcoming, I need to buy their pictures or whatever. And I also have one that is really useful that I call just bulletin board. That's all my shipping and tracking information that I want to move out of the inbox, but I just want easy reference to check on things. And as soon as it arrives, then I delete the email. So that is kind of an overview of the system. And I love it so much. That is so interesting. I think I do actually use my planner to do what you're doing. So when gotcha. I would just archive it. Like I like to see literally zero. Mm-hmm. And if there's really something I have to do, I'm making a note of it in some other way. But mm-hmm. I do see the temptation because sometimes I'm like, I really don't want to delete this. I know I'm going to have to search for it. And for whatever right. reason, this one might be a pain in the butt to search for. Right. So yes. I can see why this might be a happy medium. Yes. Now, email is such a polarizing thing. Mm-hmm. Like Laura, my best of both worlds co-host mm-hmm. would like, cringe at because she just likes to leave like you know twenty thousand emails in her inbox it feels like holistically she's just going to know what to do so everyone is very different yes but i like that it's a little bit of a happy medium between Mm -hmm. just deleting or archiving everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now have you noticed i don't know if this is true for everyone but my gmail has started to say that like it's never said this before in my many years of using it you're going to reach your limit and i'm like no i'm gonna have to start paying for gmail Yikes. Okay. So apparently there's a limit to what you can archive. 
Yikes. See, I think that, yeah, that gets a little bit tricky. And that might be a con, a drawback to that system. You might have to spend kind of an email organization day, you know, going back even just by date, because I bet you've got emails in there from years ago. And you could probably just get rid of like 2000 emails from five years ago. (laughs) I would totally and I hopefully they'll make it easy to do that. Like you just say, like, I would like to fully delete everything from 2015 and beyond. Yes. I'm not an archivist. I don't care about keeping that. Right. I'd rather have free Gmail. So (laughs) anyway, I just thought I would mention that because I was like, I was like, no, because, well, you know, you come to rely on something as free, but I I, uh, I get why. Right. You know. Yes, totally. Let me let me ask you this. Previously, when I was working full time and then I had to be at work and was on my Outlook system, I really felt a tension between I loved my Gmail organization system and there just wasn't anything similar for my Outlook. And it really bothered me. So do you have a similar tension between yes. managing your work email yes. and personal? And in fact, interestingly, I can't even open Gmail at work anymore. It's blocked oh, on our work computers, gotcha. which is actually good. It's like, yeah, you, know, you don't need to be dealing with that right. stuff when you're at work. And we have to use Outlook at work. Although as a physician, a lot of my messages are through Epic, which is like our, uh, gotcha. you know, clinical inbox. So, mm-hmm. but I, because I have an administrative role, I get a ton of Outlook stuff too. So I do the same thing. I just, I have one folder that's like an incubation folder mm-hmm. for like projects that are active and everything mm-hmm. else just gets archive, 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 archive. And I have like 9 million messages in my archive. Gotcha. Like, that's fine. <laughs> but I agree. The search feature is so poor compared yes. to the search in Gmail. That yes. It's, it's sad. Agree. It's it's almost harder to go between the two and know what you're missing out on. Yes. Yes. That is so true. Okay. So that was one of your very passionate organization yes. schemes. Talk about your meal planning system. Okay. So my meal planning system, and I would say really where I shine is my grocery list. So my grocery list is actually one of the very few, if not the only consistent places where I am still on paper. I have a spreadsheet grocery list that is created in Excel and I print that out for every grocery trip or I print out like 10 at a time and have them clipped to the side of the fridge. The power in this spreadsheet grocery list is that on the spreadsheet that I created are listed all of our most commonly purchased items laid out by aisle. So my grocery list is essentially a little map of my grocery store, which I go to Trader Joe's. And so like, as I walk down the aisle, I am, you know, I can imagine myself almost in my spreadsheet. I'm walking right by our most commonly purchased items. And so by the time I've gone from left to right on the store, I've gone by everything and I don't miss anything along the way. It also really helps me make my list because you're like, oh yeah, we usually buy block cheese, circle that. Oh yeah, we are getting low on cream cheese, circle that. And anyway, I just love it. I also, part of part of the system is that I bring it on a clipboard to Trader Joe's and I have that sitting in front of my cart. I love to cross things out with a highlighter because it keeps it looking clean and fun. And I cannot tell you the number of times that the, the checker checking me out is like, is that your grocery list? What is that? <laughs> and I'm always very proud. Do you have a certain fancy kind of highlighter that you like? Or you like the classic yellow chisel? Okay, let me tell you, I do, I actually have a set of highlighters that I love that I got at like a office white elephant gift or something years ago. It is a set of like 10 mini highlighters in multiple colors. It's from Target. I can send you the link. 
And I love it because I have a little pencil pouch so I can keep them all together at the same time. And I just love having the many different colors for crossing things off. When I used to use my get to work book, I loved crossing things off in multiple colors. So I just grab one and take it with me. It fits really nicely in my pocket and makes my list colorful. I love it. I would never, it would never occur to me to cross things off with a highlighter, but I I see why I've seen that. I see you. I like Yes. (laughs) I learned that from blogger and planner Elise Blaha, the creator of Get to Workbook. I saw her do that years ago and tried it and I loved it. Oh, and I have to I have to give credit um, for my spreadsheet grocery list. That is how my mom makes her grocery list. So I come by it honestly. I, oh, I grew that. up seeing her make her grocery list that way. And when I finally did it for my grocery store, it was like, yes, this is just right. That is amazing. I want to ask how you plan your day because mm. you're home and every yep. day can be very different. And especially when you have young kids and toddlers, which are about to enter the toddler Mm -hmm. stage, not my personal favorite. They're so cute. They are so hard. (laughs) So challenging. And it's very easy to get to the end of the day and be like, I did nothing. Yes. I just. So how are you managing that nebulous time? Mm -hmm. Do you have a way that you plan out your day? Do you, what do you do? Okay. Well, I will say, I feel like, and this is, it's always shifting too, right? I mean, especially this first year of my daughter's life. Also, the pandemic, I just had like two very difficult planning challenges for sure this year. And, you know, first they're taking like four naps a day and then three naps a day. Now we're down to the two naps a day. And I just seem to genetically have terrible sleepers. I do not have the baby that it's like, oh, every afternoon she gives me a three hour nap. I mean, oh my gosh, I could get so much done if that was the case. But I will say, I do feel like just now she's about to be a year old. We are emerging into a bit more consistency. And so I do feel like I'm able to plan just a little bit. So I have a couple of things. One, I really think about the advice that someone told me or I heard somewhere is that when the baby is sleeping, don't do anything that you could do when the baby's awake. And I really try to think about that. I really try to do something just for me, whether it is sitting and just doing nothing or relaxing. But I have been trying to think about what aspects of my creative projects can I do while she's napping. And sometimes her nap is less than an hour. So that is not a lot of time to like get into something. But what I have found, I can prep a podcast outline. I can actually edit a podcast. I don't mind kind of jumping in and out of that. So I can put my headphones on and get a little bit bit of that done. I can't do any substantial writing, so I shouldn't even try because I'll be very frustrated when she wakes up after 35 minutes. And then I will say then when she is awake, I guess I try to think about what thing, one or two things could I get done today that will just help me feel like I've gotten something done. My home environment is, I'm very sensitive to my home environment. So little things that I can do to just keep our household running really helps. She can be crawling around on the floor and I can usually fold a load of laundry pretty quickly. Or if I could set something out that will help with dinner prep, even if it's just kind of gathering the shelf-stable ingredients and putting them together on the counter. So it's a little bit easier later when that happens. So those are some things that kind of help me day to day. I have also just been really trying to find where I can get some work time. And what this has looked like lately, I've been making a concerted effort to go to bed by 8 or 8.30 and my alarm is going off at 4. I know, I know. But when your children 
wake up at six or, oh my gosh, sometimes they're calling for us at 530. (laughs) I'm like, do I need to wake up at three just to get two hours of uninterrupted work time? I know you love your early mornings too. So, and I am an early bird. So that is something that, you know, is not just completely horrendous for me, but getting that uninterrupted work time is just so important. And I am a better mom and a better person having been a little productive and and put something into one of my passions before I start the day. Oh, I totally get that. And I guess I'm very, I mean, my kids just don't wake up as early as your kids, but it's it's basically like, I really like having about two hours to do stuff so that, and then usually my rest of my day is taken up by work as well as kids stuff. But a hundred percent, I am with you there. And I think many parents of toddlers are because the rest of the day becomes so unpredictable. Yes. And most of us don't have any energy left after dealing with them all day. No, <laughs> no. Yes. The, the evening is just, yeah, I was finding that sometimes I was almost getting a little bit of a second wind after the kids went to bed, but it's really not the, my creative time. So I was like staying up too late, reading a book or scrolling on my phone. And then I wasn't able to wake up earlier and get that time for myself. So I really had to be honest with myself and say, okay, it is much more worthwhile to me to push myself to go to bed a little earlier. And then I get that really good time. Yes. And someday your kids might sleep a little someday. bit more. We will see. Someday. <laughs> Did we miss any major hacks of yours or any of, I feel like there was one more. Mm. Although I have another question that okay. I didn't plan, but great. Financial organizing, because Ooh. you did do your matrimony podcast. Yes. Do you and your husband have like a joint way to track your expenses? Is that something you do electronically? I will say yes. We are really good at managing our finances, but I will say I feel like lately we have not been quite as good at tracking everything electronically. We used to be very passionate about mint, had all of our categories, we're tracking just every little thing. And I think for whatever reason, we just maybe were so into it for so long and just maybe kind of burned out a little bit. Or honestly, I think that our finances have probably gotten to the place. I mean, it really is a place of privilege where we are very thoughtful about our money and thoughtful about how we spend. But I think to the point where we don't need to be tracking every little purchase. And so I think now we kind of take a broader view of kind of you know, okay, how is money moving in and out, planning for the bigger expenses, certainly still needing to do quite a bit of planning and touching base. We love having pretty regular budget meetings. You know, even if if you don't need to talk about anything big or anything that's wrong, it just so helps to just touch base and you just say, okay, everything is good. Or sometimes something will come up like, hey, we should start thinking about, are we going to do that trip? Are we going to do summer camp? You know, whatever it is. So I think we're very good about communicating about money. And that is, I think in our podcast, that would just always be something that would come up and that we would emphasize. It's really a communication thing. No, that totally makes sense. Amazing. Well, I love this episode because we touched on so many different aspects of life organization and management, especially in the digital realm. I know a lot of my reviews center around paper products because I do love them and I know many listeners do, but most of us have some form of a hybrid going on. So it is very nice to show the other side. Anything else you'd like to add? Any or any systems? And if not, where can everybody find you? Remind us again. 
Yes, I would love to connect with your listeners. And I feel like there are a lot of places where people can find me. So on Instagram, I am Kels Wharton. And I also mentioned my podcast, The Girl Next Door Podcast, which you can find on any podcast platform. My blog is risingshining.com. And I mentioned that this month I will be launching a month of audio blogging. So you can find the podcast feed for that, Rising Shining, should be on any podcast platform. And yeah, I'm really excited for that new project. So yeah, lots of ways to find me. And I would love to connect with your listeners. Well, that was so much fun. I honestly wish I could hang out and chat with Kelsey really frequently, not just rarely when I get to speak to her about podcast-related stuff. So perhaps she'll even be a repeat guest. Who knows? So as she mentioned, you can find her in multiple places. And just to remind you, the show notes with multiple links that Kelsey has already sent me will be available on the show notes page. If you go through my blog, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, click on the best laid plans icon, and then there's a list of all the show notes, including the most recent episode. If you happen to click through on the day this airs, the show notes will typically be at the top of the page. But if not, if you go to the best laid plans, you will see them all there. So again, thank you so much for listening and I'll be back for more next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.